0: Hey, it's Andrew, and today on the show, we have Yav Hartman, CEO and founder of Magic X. In this episode, we talked about the current churn and retention status at Magic X, how Yav interviews churning customers, and how to gauge the quality of customer feedback. We also dive deep into how you can use Facebook ads to increase retention, why customer development should be viewed as a profit center, and Yav's predictions on the future of the advertising landscape. And here's today's episode. Hi Yahav. welcome to the show.
1: Hey Andrew, how are you doing?
0: <laughs> I'm doing great, thanks. Uh, for the listeners, Yahav is the founder and CEO of Magic X, a full stack Facebook advertising platform. Uh, prior to Magic X, Yav was the founder of Rolls ROAS Media, a Facebook advertising agency specializing in promoting the world's biggest luxury brands. Uh, Yav was also previously the VP of advertising products at MRSYS, where he was responsible for the advertising business unit. So my first question for you Av, is what is it about advertising that has drove you to build a career and company around it
1: Yeah so basically I started my career in an email marketing company so in the retention business itself and as a supplier providing retention solutions I always saw how much how like how much our company was charging and as a junior, um as a junior uh, employee in the company, I was, I was thinking it's a lot. But as time went and I, I got exposed into the ad world, I saw how much money there is in this industry um, and how much brands are actually paying to, to buy ads uh, on Google and Facebook and other major ad platforms. And it was just super interesting for me to figure this out, to figure this world, how to manage all those budgets efficiently. It really kind of attracted me
0: back then interesting and just maybe for the listeners maybe you want to give us an idea of some of the budgets that you are working with and some of the brands
1: so yeah I mean today um, magix.com so at magix we're, we're managing around a hundred million dollars uh, a month in uh, Facebook ad spend we're now also introducing the Google channel so uh, hopefully we can uh, double our growth in managed spend so actually our mission is to reach $1 billion in managed ad spend. So we're around like 10 or so 11% of our journey. Um, and yeah, we're basically building an autonomous ad buying machine that can uh, that can uh, control, manage and uh, implement and basically, yeah, basically make the most out of your ad budget.
0: All right. And when you say like make your most out of the ad budget, like how does the system work? How does it uh, optimize the ads for you?
1: So basically the system is, is, it's actually, it's a whole platform that is built out of uh, seven different areas uh, that each area has uh, one or two products, uh, insights and a bunch of features. So at the end, we, in order to master Facebook advertising, it's not enough just, you know, just to, just to like cover a few areas. You really need to master each and every uh, sub area of the business. And and it can be on Facebook advertising, Google advertising for for example, for example, just on Facebook, you have around like, you have like today's suppliers that all it, there's a company that all it does is do bid testing and another one for audience creation and another one for bidding optimization and uh, um, split testing and uh, creative insights and creative intelligence and ad copy insights and budget optimization. There, there are just so many tools uh, like point solutions out there that do only something small out of the whole task that you that uh, an ad buyer and a professional media buyer should uh, do when he's managing the ads. So we're kind of uniting all of those uh, different areas in one platform uh, with the goal of uh, improving ad performance uh, as a whole because you really got to have all of those elements working together to make Facebook advertising successful.
0: For sure. Uh, and how long have you guys been going now? Uh, how old's the company? What size are you at?
1: Yeah, so we're uh, about two years old. Uh, we had uh, we, we've been in, in development kind of in uh for a long time. Uh, in the beginning, I, I just kind of uh, gave the tool for uh, friends and other agency owners uh, that I knew from from the business. Uh, and uh, around one year ago, we had uh, the first uh, customers a, b- a bit more. One one year, um, like 13, 14 months ago, and we've been uh, scaling and growing uh, uh, since uh, pretty fast. Uh, we're also bootstrap, so yeah
0: very nice very nice so two years like you said you were in stealth for a while as well was that including the two years or was the company two years in total then
1: so two years in stealth mode and then uh, something like uh, five months afterwards uh, uh, we went out and yeah opened it for uh, alpha beta usage very cool um so today and today we're already with uh, thousands of customers uh, again managing 100 million dollar a month in ad spend uh, including enterprise uh, clients like uh, Snipes and uh, uh, a lot of other large uh, clients in the e-com retail space, uh, also in SaaS business, by the way, uh, yeah. lead, uh, huge and, and the biggest lead generations out there, uh, overall managing $100 million a month in ad spend. And actually in, uh, on Monday or Tuesday, we're actually releasing uh, our uh, Google product. So we're going uh, omni-channel,
0: and cross-channel. Amazing. So you've seen some pretty rapid growth and obviously since launching and since offering a paid uh, solution to the topic of the show, churn and retention. How is this looking for you at the moment uh, at Magic X?
1: Yeah, so s- since our growth was was kind of like uh, so so quick, so we, we've been growing like crazy, like the last eight months. And I always felt like it's it's when you when you grow, like let's say if you grow... 40 50 k ML a month uh, while you're still kind of small and or a new company i felt like retention is not like a, it's not a core it, it's an important metric but it's not the most important metric to to track because when you grow so fast every month your retention rates can change so rapidly so it, it can be like too early to to try to reach any insights from it yeah there's like you know what i mean The the, yeah. the the land is changing so quick and what, hap- what, is, what, what looks like a retention problem this month, uh, maybe next month, like, a, kind of like a, it, it can disappear.
0: Yeah. Uh, so uh, is it something that you've been looking to in the early days or it's something that just really be due to the, the rapid growth has not been like a focus for the company?
1: First of all, it's, when I said not a focus, I said that the retention rate itself, the rate or the numbers of the retention was not the focus. It was more about the focus was the learning to understand yeah. why people cancel. This is, a, for me, this is like the, actually when someone unsubscribed in Magix, it's the only place in the that, that the Magix user can reach to talk, uh, you know, like have a talk with the CEO. So I actually offer even, a, I open my calendar for two hours a day and because we we don't have so many cancellations anyway, but if we have one, I I really want to know exactly why the root user canceled. This is kind of my pulse uh, uh, to the business and always be connected, make sure we're right with product strategy, understand how we could keep the clients. Like for me, this is the most important uh, uh, indication in terms of shaping the the future of product strategy and and, and roadmap on one hand, that's the retention. And then on the other hand is the acquisition. Uh, and, and I see a strong uh, correlation between acquisition and, uh, and basically the, the retention. And um, I feel like companies that have like really amazing acquisition, or amazing marketing, they it could like immediately hit their, their retention rates because they're just so good at converting or they're, they're getting a lot of customers. Uh, so it's and, and also in terms of numbers, it's always kind of about like balancing acquisition and retention, like understanding, like, OK, what's my lifetime value? What's my cost of acquisition? Uh, especially in the early days, because in the early days, it's just like a growth machine. and How can you, like, you know, find this, this, this scaling formula? And, and, and to know how, how much to press on the gas in terms of like ad spend and scaling.
0: How do you do it? <laughs>
1: yeah, that's the, that's the million dollar question for every business. I mean, I mean a- attribution in general, it's like, I think it's the biggest problem today of the advertising industry. Not to talk about all the privacy and everything that comes. Uh, it's already hard today. So now Apple and uh, Google and are just actually making it even. Uh, most probably make it even harder. So so this is actually. The, I think it's as, as a company in, in the early stage or the mid stage the, the most important. And even actually an enterprise company doing 100 a hundred million ARR. Uh, for, for for me that's at the end of the day like uh, in terms of business strategy those are the most important things you need to control like. How much a customer is worth for me? how much does it cost to acquire them? How can I optimize for higher lifetime values and how can I as a, as a CEO uh, or, or as a product guy think about how can I improve the product that my lifetime value grows then I can afford more acquiring acquire customers
0: increase um, period
1: yeah so we, how we do it technically we basically when we, we we're actually using magics to to we're running we're running Facebook ads with magics so we're growing magics like with magics and actually our platform is also like it's from the core of it it's built based on uh, even though like it may be considered an ad tech company we actually are a lot uh, more like a, a Martech company because we're combining we're basically we're, we're using marketing technology uh, uh, methodologies and tactics and we're applying them also into the ad tech world so for example our platform uh, Immediately when you sign up to Magrix and you log in, you will see that it reclassifies your audience. We're using, by the way, a AI Python module for this, and we taught the system how to identify if an asset, and this is where the audience also lives. Is it a prospecting audience? Is it a retargeting audience? Is it a retention audience? So the same way this is structured, the same way we educate our customers, and the same way we work ourselves when we, we look at growth. We're trying to we basically—it's um, also a built into the platform, so that's why it's so interesting that you're asking it because we're basically running this ARR strategy, so acquisition, retargeting, retention, and we know—I mean, we know our lifetime value. It's something you, everyone knows. Their, I believe their lifetime value, and if they don't know, they can just log into Stripe and uh, see it and look at their dashboard and see what it says. But at the end of the day, like yeah, once you know your lifetime value um you can make sure that you are basically uh, and that's, that's the next step. You need to decide as a business, how, how risky you are. Do you want to operate on a low ROAS or higher ROAS? What's the payback period you're looking uh, to hit? Uh, what's your pay, payback uh, advertising? Uh, basically return on, um, on, on ads uh, spend uh, like how, how many months of a recurring business do you want to aim for? So, if you're if you're a very conservative business you might say hey i just i want to i want to like you know cover my cost of at the first month in the beginning if you want to be very profitable and then you can say you know what i'm more comfortable for retention i'm going for two months and three months and, and the more you and it's, it's a kind of a dynamic process and, and also today even today that we're already a large company uh, we're still a, still every month for ad bank team and also i'm i'm with them uh, we're looking uh, where's our retention uh, what, what is it what have, what where's our lifetime value okay it grew um, how much do we want to afford now there's a the coronavirus how do we want to how do we want to react do we want to stay at uh, i don't know uh, our, our target or do we want to cut our target now uh, to be much more uh, you know like strict and just aim for a uh, for for two months period or three months or six months Again, it's a really dynamic process. And even if you aim for three to six months, it doesn't mean that this is your break-even period because maybe as a business, you just want, uh, that's the place where you want to be in terms of uh, uh, profitability that, get, that then can, could be spent on product development and improving the product. So also as a business owner, I'm thinking, wait, should I, should I uh, push more budgets into hiring more developers or should we just close the, the, the lifetime value cost of acquisition gap? Yeah, so it's it's a, it's it's always a question kind of where you want to be and where do you aim, like is it for the long term? Are you building a, a huge business or something? But yeah, it's, I, I really love this topic and uh, I believe that that's how you grow businesses.
0: For sure. I think it's also like David Scott uh, in his SaaS Metrics 2.0, he highlights LTV CAC ratio as one of the top metrics to keeping track with growth and should always be aiming for higher than three gives you a good idea sort of if you can push on the pedal on advertising and push more money into ad spend or if you need to lift the pedal up a bit and then uh, start to become a little bit more profitable definitely is an interesting balance i think that you need to crack all the time i need to keep a a constant pulse on you mentioned something other uh, else interesting as well was that uh, and i loved it that you have this open hours so that you can speak directly to churn customers and they can book a call directly with you what is sort of the, the type of things and questions that you're asking during this call from these churn customers? like what are you trying to learn, and what do some of the conversations go like? Mm-hmm.
1: So it's, for me, it's like a complete uh, first of all, uh, every time I go on, on, on a call with a customer, uh, it's the first thing like at the end of the day, like it's uh, people that want to unsubscribe or people that unsubscribe yeah. Uh, the, that's the moment they reach this. Yeah. So the first thing for me is to make sure that they're, they're still, uh, I mean, that they're happy with the, with the company and you know, that we give them if they want uh, for some reason, a refund, uh, they, they'll get it. If they, if they want additional money for free, for, for me, the most important thing at the end is that the customer is happy. Yeah. That's what they, those calls are for. Yeah. Uh, and then for, it's for learning. And in terms of learning, um I, I, I would like, I'm like friends with all of our customers in a way, yeah. I just really want to know exactly like, you know, how was their how was their usage and what they were using it for and how they've been using it and what was missing, yeah? What was missing? Why did you cancel uh, this type of questions? And I, I like, uh, every time they would answer, like, I, I find like in, I don't know, 99% of the cases, uh, unless it's uh, COVID, the reason that uh, uh, people cancel is that they're missing something or they're not satisfied for something. And I always find that those are things that we're either already aware of and working on. And then we have also the mock-ups. Yeah? We have mock-ups for it. We have all the product roadmap, everything. So it's really important for me to understand what the customer was missing, bring to him the, the, the software, the mock-ups, and the future like where we're heading to share this information with the customer and then to ask like hey if we would have this feature if we would have this product would you stay is this what you were looking for if we had this this and that like i don't know or if if you know like this type of questions and then you really understand why customers are leaving it, it strengthens your your product uh roadmap and decisioning and once you release this new feature or fulfill this need of the customer you can always bring him back Hey, we just got it. Take a free month here for to use the software. I'd love to hear your opinion. Yeah.
0: And how are you going about sort of valuing the different type of feedback from the different types of churning customers? Because you mentioned yourself earlier as well. Like, if you have a really aggressive acquisition strategy, you can see uh, big growth, but that at the same time can have an impact on churn and retention. And I think. Often the reason is because you end up acquiring a lot more of your unideal customers, if we want to call it that way, and less of the ideal customer profile. So when it comes to sort of churning customers and times maybe of aggressive growth where you might have more customers signing up, using the product, but weren't really your ideal customer profile, uh, do you have a way where you're sort of gauging that during these calls and trying to make a decision on if is this good feedback that we're listening to now or is it coming from somebody who was never really meant to be a customer to begin with?
1: No, no, hundred percent. I mean, at the end of the day, like we, you know, at the end we, I mean, we charge based on ad spend. So once we talk to, for us, a good customer, like the 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 more someone spends, uh, the higher the package you will have, and and uh, obviously the, the larger customer he is for us. So we of course can know it in advance, uh, prepare for the call, and maybe maybe just understand what's the persona of the client. Is it like an SMB? Is it the solopreneur? Is it um, you know like a medium-sized business? Maybe it's an enterprise a Fortune 500 company. So all of those um, brands have have like different needs and it's more about like, for sure we always know that they're like, that they're worthwhile customer. They fall under our ICP because at the end we just, I mean, our solution is for people that like are are spenders, uh, people that already uh, spend money with Facebook ads and they're advertisers and they're active advertisers. So it's really just about, this already qualifies. Uh, and then it's just about like understanding, like, who's the persona? Uh, and then, yeah, and then like tailoring the the, the insights into the, the persona and uh, forwarding onwards for the, for the product team, improving, uh, always improving.
0: Nice. And I think it's, you've got a good easy proxy as well to understand. If someone sits in your ICP, just looking at the ad spend, uh, you immediately gauge sort of, is this customer right for your business? So the next thing I want to ask as while well, you, you mentioned in terms of like the tool itself, it's focused in three areas, acquisition, retargeting, and retention, maybe talk us through sort of the retention component. Uh, how are some of your customers using Facebook ads for retention? How do you yourself perhaps use it as well? I know you mentioned earlier around acquisition uh, activation.
1: Yeah. I mean, re- retention advertising or in, retention in general is a gold mine and retention advertising is, is the best thing you can, you can do to reach your customers wherever they are. Because even if you look at the, I mean, retention is very much known to be like email, right? Yeah. But if you look at email open rates, it's only like a 20%. So if you're lucky, like 25 and, and most probably like if you look at unique people, it's like, I don't know, 25, 30 maximum. If you're a good company, you can reach those people with your emails. And any any communication you want to do with your existing customers. So, of course, if you're an e-commerce, it's obvious you should run retention advertising and just like sell more products to your existing customers or just communicate with them, like, you know, if it's like a, there's a special sale or something or anything of a value you can you can send onwards. But when you're like a SaaS business, then then I find like we're using like retention advertising in on activation on the free trial, we want to target our people start a free trial with content with demos with like engaging with them as much as we can and, and exposing them to our contents uh, and then once they become a customer then most probably there's like depends on on the message you want to you want to like send but ads could could, could still be like a, a complete viable thing to do for for a for a SaaS business because it's all about like again everyone that wants to reach his customer with any kind of message so retention advertising is, is the way to go.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely. I think it's really one of those untapped channels for a lot of companies, uh, and obviously most people just see like Facebook ads uh, or different ad channels as an acquisition channel, and don't. I think they miss out on a lot of the opportunity and the potential it has when it comes to getting a message in front of your customer and uh, really pushing for engagement and updating them. Like, I think just even a practical example of sending out an email to update customers on a new product feature. Like you say, 25%, maybe 30% of you lucky are going to read that email, but uh, getting in front of the channels and the eyes of your customers where they are and in the content they're consuming is a very, very powerful way to sort of bring them back into the product to raise awareness for uh, what's been happening. Like, how are you using it in your business when it comes to activation? You mentioned sort of uh, during the trial, are you doing anything fancy in terms of sort of event-based, based on different actions they've taken within the app, triggering ads on Facebook, or what are you doing there when it comes to activation to get them onboarded correctly? Yeah,
1: so we have a, um, basically a retargeting journey, just like you have like an email journey where day one you have a welcome, and then you have a demo, and then you have a, I don't know, a consultation call, and then you have, you know, it, it highly depends also on the persona that you segment. Um, so with Facebook advertising, uh, you need to have uh, a minimum... Uh, Custom audience size of 100 people in order to to target uh, customers so as long as you're a large business like we for example we just go for like um, zero to one like day one day two day three day four day five six seven seven ad sets for example for the seven day free trial week and and, and then we can really make sure that we also tailor the contents according to the to to where they are within their trial period so that's kind that's quite advanced to do and you've got to have some like you need to be quite large in order to yeah it's it's only like a tactic for like for mid mid and above like uh, sized size brands it it also makes the cpm like a bit more expensive so and yeah there's a a few disadvantages for this but it it gives you like a complete control over like who's seeing what and what's the sequencing of things so it's uh it's highly effective
0: and when you say it's highly effective sort of what do you see is the return on ad spend like doing it versus not doing it. I'm sure you, there was a time when you just got started that you weren't using it as a channel. Like, did you see any significant gains? Uh, how are you experimenting with this as well? Obviously like with emails, a channel that you can experiment quite a bit.
1: Yeah, so we basically, we can see the, the return on ad spend uh, uh, for each one of those days uh, separately. Overall, we never did like a brand lift or any experiment if we should be running this because it's quite obvious for us that we should because. It's more or less the same content, like from the email marketing and the journeys, the marketing automation. So for us, it's like, we already know it works and we already know it brings value. It helps train people on the product. It gives them insights and valuable yeah, information. So it proved to work. So we never like thought, like, should we really test it? But actually, if you look at it from, from like from a different perspective, at the end of the day. It kind of like steals the attribution from your prospecting ads because you're just bombarding like people as they start a trial. you like they're most probably going to see like the, the Facebook works in the last touch uh, attribution model, so they're, they're more likely to see like your your activation um, ad sequence, uh, one of those ads, uh, rather than converting straight from your prospecting ad. Um, so I, I'm not sure if I m- I made this uh, point clear earlier, but initially the way we target we decide how much we should be spending on acquiring customers is looking purely at at, at the cost like basically at our return on ad spend for uh, for acquisition yeah so for example if you want to be at a payback of one to three uh, like in to the payback of three months uh, you want to be at a return on ad spend of 0.33 yeah um, assuming you're just transferring Facebook the, the values for for, uh, for the first transaction. And, and, and that's exactly how we take the decision. So once we implemented this retargeting journey, we noted, we we noticed that it actually stole, I mean, we noticed, we knew that it's going to kind of like steal the attribution from the prospecting ads. And then overall, your account loss is just higher and, and an acquisition you can now, uh, instead of operating like, I don't know if you've been operating as like, 0.8 ROAS and now you go down you can afford going down like to 0.4 so you can kind of like find this magic number um, that you want to be at and because again the, the important thing here is if if you know what are your prospecting campaigns and you're also excluding existing customers and retargeting audiences you can be 100 percent sure that if people convert on your acquisition campaigns they, it's, it's a complete new business and you can actually trust the front-end numbers of facebook uh, for for scaling decisions So that's kind of for me was the biggest uh, kind of like I, I wouldn't say like, it, it would this is the only thing kind of like it it, it affects the strategy and the, the other components uh, But other than this it was kind of like obvious for for us that it's uh, it's worth doing and we saw a lot of conversions on, on those retargeting journeys I uh, just wanted to share like uh, a small thing you should take into consideration if you if you decide to, to do this uh, tactic
0: Yeah uh it definitely is like a very interesting channel uh to be used and taken advantage of and obviously it's it's a channel that does come with uh sort of an expense to it but ultimately that expense as well could be lost business in the form of people never really activating never really getting to that point where they see the true value of your product or so so and you hear it time and time again it's a lot easier to acquire to retain an existing customer than is to acquire a new one. And at the same time, since you've already had that initial acquisition point and you've already got them onboarded to your tool, like maximizing that activation period and making sure they get to value is just using it as a channel is just another really, really effective way to retain customers for longer. Uh, I love that. So the the next thing I was interested in, you mentioned it as well uh, earlier was, in terms of privacy and advertising and the way things are moving, you mentioned sort of Apple and Safari, what they're meaning with their browsers, Firefox, and now Google Chrome with cookies. Like, how do you see this impacting the advertising industry in terms of, like you mentioned as well, attribution being key to being able to understand sort of how effective your marketing is and knowing which channels are bringing in you the best customers with the highest LTV. What do you see sort of some of the shifts in the landscape? How do you see things progressing over the next, like, 12 to 18 months in the ad space? hmm
1: I mean the the main shifts I I see that that are gonna like it's not clear like which direction it's gonna it's gonna make like take, but for but it it has to be either uh, to to continue and rely on the on the for example as a as a as a Facebook ad all in one ad platform we can. Either rely on on Facebook or Google, and rely on the platforms than to themselves to collect this data. Because imagine if it's important for us, it's a hundred or a thousand times more important for Facebook and Google, of course, uh, to have this data, right? Because that's that's their whole business. So I kind of like on one hand, I trust all, I trust uh, the tech uh, giants, uh, the world gardens, to come with their own solutions. And they have, uh, as you said, uh, as we talked earlier, like really powerful teams and talented engineers, and they can get things done. So. Uh, That's on one thing. But on the other hand, at the same time, not just to rely on them. Uh, And and I feel like advertising is is going to kind of go into back in time, you know, like if if suddenly there's no cookies or there's like less time of cookies and the the tracking is messed up, uh, people will have to go back to basics, just like TV advertising uh, 40 years ago, uh, uh, which is basically going back into geo, geo targeting and then like measuring the uplift by geos. uh, Especially if you're like uh, you know e-commerce store, SaaS business selling uh, worldwide, it's very easy kind of like to yeah to attribute like a, a increase in growth in, in a particular region or in installs uh, compared to your ad spend, uh, you'll most probably get a very very uh, um, picture of of how your advertising is is doing.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think as well, like in terms of, as you mentioned, the World Gardens, Facebook and Google, that's definitely something that's their bread and butter and something that they need to protect and come up with ways. Obviously, I think like Facebook themselves switched to the first party cookie quite a while back as well as a precaution already and really starting to think of alternative ways to be able to keep track and be able to give you the attribution and insights that you need as well. So. I see it from that side. I also do see as well, I think like there'll probably be a little bit more emphasis on the creative component again, like you mentioned, like going back in time a bit, uh, but really not having that full picture that you need, you'd want to really make sure that you are standing out and uh, hopefully we'll start to see a little bit more creative coming back into the mix as well. And having a little bit more of a focus uh, point was now really needing to capture the attention because you're not knowing where it's coming from as well. Yeah. Um, and and geo
1: and geo targeting. I think it's going to be huge. I mean, for, for now, if we, if, I don't know, for example, we we created the ad in German or or an ad in Hebrew, and then we run it in Germany or in, or in Israel, or we immediately see a spike in sales even without uh, from this country, even without looking at the you know at the ads manager uh, I don't know, or our BI conversion performance, you can see a direct correlation between like new business and the region that you're targeting. Yeah, so that's for me like a. I'm quite sure that this is like one of the best, like, like fallbacks.
0: Works. And when it comes to sort of GDPR and privacy, uh, because I'm not actually 100% on this, when it comes to advertising in geo and geographies, like, can you still collect IPs, or what you're saying is just really when you're driving ads, you're selecting a region, and then on your side you're measuring the uplift yeah. from customers coming from that region. Okay.
1: For, on our side, for example, in Magic's, uh, when you when you just like launch a campaign, we automatically sort all of your countries countries by uh, ROAS and amount spent. Okay. So you can easily say, I want to just target my most profitable regions. Look at the amount spent. Like really simple, like just look how yeah. much are you spending this week, and uh, maybe like if your if your sales funnel is like it takes like one two weeks for people to close then measure the results in two weeks and then look like what's the correlation between like increased ad spend and, 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 the new, new business compared to, you know, like to just like the average that comes from this region, even with no ad spend.
0: Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Cool. So uh, the next thing I wanted to ask you then is something, to ask everybody that joins the show and it's let's create a hypothetical scenario where you've joined a new company. And you arrive at this company and churn and retention is really not doing great. Uh, the CEO has come to you and asked to, for your help to try to turn things around. Uh, and they need results fast. They've given you 90 days to try and uh, make a dent. What would be some of the things you'd want to do at that, those first 90 days to get some results for the company?
1: I would, I would invest the first 30 days just talking to customers, meeting customers in person, talking to them. I would actually aim... To talk to every customer in the company, or at least like I don't know a, a significant uh, percentage, the, like scientific, scientifically significant percentage of customers and site in different sizes and personas, and then the next thirty days just like planning like around the problems and everything, and then just like the last thirty days just execute on start executing on 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 the strategies, yeah, and the learnings. Yeah, yeah. I, feel, I feel like too many companies are just not talking to their customers. That's why we're we're now like uh, we have a project now actually also we're talking to every customer that canceled with us in the last like year we're talking to all of them. Yeah. Just, just like, you know, like call them up, reach them, like get them into the call. Hey, what's going on? I was, you know, how things changed since and like show them what we've been through, what we've done uh, perhaps maybe a small offer to get them back started again.
0: Yeah. It's important. I think definitely Like every time we ask this question on the show, it's always comes back to speak to your customers because they're the one that understand the root problem and the reasons for churn. And, but it's and easy to say, well. but
1: it's easy to say, but at the end, people need to do those calls. You know, if you want to break it down further, it's just like have a calendar and, and say, I don't know, like five hours a day. Like f- there's, there's just customer calls, get someone to fill this calendar for you. Yep. And just like speak to customers, and, and everything comes from there. And just to speak to them like on the phone, even not emails or any other communication.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think what I found as well with customer uh, like calls and speaking to your customers, it always comes at a time when there's a problem, when things are bad It's when we sort of customers and companies panic and say, okay, we need to be speaking to customers. But when times are good, like it's all, often neglected as well. And I think for me, that's one of the biggest mistakes as well. It's like like you say, like make it part of a routine, have it in your calendar, have a set time where you're always uh, speaking to customers. To keep and make sure that you have your pulse uh, to the ground. Like I've been guilty of this in the past and previous startups, where early days, like really, just constantly speaking to customers, and then figured that I knew everything, and then later realized that I didn't. <laughs> and uh, yeah. you, you need you need to have that pulse. You need to be speaking. You need to going back constantly, and not only speaking to churn customers, but to customers that have retained, that are happy, that are satisfied, so you can find out yeah. what's working for them and make that work for others.
1: You can also, you can also make it as a, as a, as a profit center in, in terms of like, uh, it's not just many organization can look at it like, okay, we're just like learning from the customer. And, uh, but you can also look at it like, okay, we, uh, we now discovered someone, the customer like actually has tremendous results and everything is amazing. So let's like make a case study. Let's make a success story. Let's upset like, let's help them with additional uh, professional services and um, there's so many. Uh, let's get a review. Yeah, a customer is happy. Like ask them to review on one of the platforms because reviews are important today. And uh, it, it can be just such. A, it can be such a large profit center to the company that people uh, people are not looking at it this way. But it's a profit center. It's, you need a full time person just talking to customers, even if you're a uh, no touch, no zero touch product like Magix, for example. You still need someone just on this. It's it's. it's I can't stress more how important this is.
0: I love that point of view as well, sort of seeing it as a profit center and not just like a cost to the company. Although uh, the profit also is not only in sort of like the reviews and stuff, but it's the feedback, the input that comes to the product. And those changes sometimes can be exponential. But more often than not, it's not seen as a profit center. But I really like that point of view, like seeing it as a, as a profit center for the company in a way to maximize it. But I think to be that way, like you say, you would need to be organized. You need to have a good system down, locked down to make sure that like when you're speaking to customer, if you figure that they're super happy, uh, then you know you're going for a case study or for a review and very good point. I love it. So finally, Yav, like, uh, we're running up on time. Is there anything that you'd like to leave the audience with? Like how can they keep up to date with your work? Anything you want to share before we close off for today?
1: Yeah, everyone can add me on like social uh, platform, Facebook, Instagram, just like Yav yeah, Hartman, LinkedIn and yeah and anyone especially uh, interested like in advertising we grow our, we're a saas company like all the listeners and we grow our business only through facebook advertising it's like 90% of our growth just comes to from facebook so uh, if anyone like needs tips or helps or stuff i'm always happy to to chat with founders and, and just help like yeah other companies to to achieve what we've done and we've done it again through magics like so it's we actually have a lot of like people using uh, sas companies and i would vi- and, and i would love to have people uh, join us um, on the vision of, of becoming uh, the first uh, autonomous uh, ad buying machine because we believe that uh, all of this space that we talked about today can be kind of uh, completely uh, uh, done by uh, machines and to to let humans do what what they're better at which is creative and biz dev and uh, product and but not doing the ad buying itself, which is and such an important, which yeah. yeah exactly, which is such an important component for SaaS businesses. If we didn't have amazing advertising systems, we wouldn't be in the place where we're now. Uh, amazing advertising. Uh, when you have amazing uh, advertising systems, you can afford to be with lower LTVs. You have more time to learn. You get more customers. You get more feedback. It's such an important comp- growth component for a company. So. Uh, yeah that's that's it. that's something i want uh, the audience kind of to take with them and, and think about it
0: awesome well yeah, it's been a pleasure having you today and thank you very very much uh, for joining the show and i wish you best of luck now going forward uh, into the future and with the, the release now of uh, google ads as the platform and becoming omnichannel thank you andrew cheers thanks for having me Bye bye. and that's a wrap for the show today with me andrew michael I really hope you enjoyed it and you're able to pull out something valuable for your business. To keep up to date with churn.fm and be notified about new episodes, blog posts, and more, subscribe to our mailing list by visiting churn.fm. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any feedback, good or bad, I would love to hear from you.